0: Hello everyone and welcome to the finale, the season finale episode of Talk Local, I am not Alan Miskowski, you probably have guessed that by now. Alan and his wife are expecting their first child and we're wishing them the best of luck. I, uh, Since I am hosting, I get to choose my guest and the guest topic and um, I love to talk about branding, advertising, marketing, so of course I would reach out to the region's best here and that would be kathleen zott mm-hmm. and i am very pleased to welcome kathleen zott to the finale
1: Thank and you.
0: uh please tell us a little bit about yourself not that everybody doesn't know you
1: great well no i'm I, it's a very nice introduction i think somewhat un, un, i don't know if i can live quite up to that but it's great to hear um so i'm a region girl born and raised in merrillville um went to Maryville high went on to Notre Dame, so didn't leave Northern Indiana too far. And since, I've worked in marketing public relations in Chicago, here in Merrillville, at Lakeshore Public Television and Radio, down in Indianapolis, and then most recently at NIPSCO and NYSource in Merrillville. So, always been in the marketing PR space and always loved advertising for a long time. And we can probably go into some of those things that, you know, you notice as a kid that eventually formulate into being your life's passion.
0: Right. In... The way I put it is, many people have an aversion to advertising. You know, it's almost cultural. They 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 say, "Oh, I, I hate advertising," and they think it's intrusive. However, I would argue that it's a constant companion. And uh, when it's gone, I think people miss it. And I think people are attached to brands uh, for for certain reasons that it, you know, psychologically speaking, we could expand on that forever. But there's a reason that. We have an affinity for some some brands. There's a reason why we're attached. And I think if you kill that relationship, like when you kill a marketing department, when you're making cutbacks, that's the worst thing you can do. Because that extension to your client is the only thing you have. The extension to the consumer is the only thing you have. And if you are going to basically kill your attorneys and the the court of public opinion, uh, it's a mistake.
1: That's true. I think a lot of people also confuse brand with only advertising. And that's one thing I really got from my time at NIPSCO is how important it is to build up perception more broadly. So you have to advertise, you have to get your message out there because it's it's a crowded media space and information overload, everybody's getting getting inundated with messages so you have to advertise but there's a lot of other things to think about to build a brand pr is a big part of that right. communications other forms of marketing and then just the whole customer experience side which i feel like could be a whole nother subject for a podcast right again.
0: we could we could probably have our own podcast on that so maybe maybe that's something we can discuss but yeah uh if, if you know, working for nipsco that is a giant brand that does not have any say competition, people would assume, but your work was very important because you still reached out to the consumer to say, look, um, this is what we're doing. This is where your money is going. This is how we're improving your service and improving on what you're expecting, right? Right.
1: Yeah. So there's a ton of programs and services that, you know, we had data when I was at NIPSCO to say that You know, customers don't know we have energy efficiency programs or they don't know that for a while we were offering incentives on electric vehicle charging stations for your home. And, um, you know, you can put out a press release. That's great. Right. <laughs> but, you know, you really have to amplify your message in other ways, too. So, so yeah, a lot of my focus was just increasing awareness of programs and services and getting people to, you know, think about their utility as something that they would choose, even though, you know, in this, in this market, in the energy world that we're in, most consumers don't have a choice over their energy company. And that's a
0: very creative way to put it. And I assume that's uh, your work. Yes, yeah, that's, that's your campaign or thought is that make Nipsco the company you would choose if you had to. And uh, I think that that's brilliant. And that's something most people do not realize. The legal department doesn't think about that. Uh, they just don't want you to overpromise, uh, you know, or uh, perhaps just even the, the, the labor part of, of Nipsco uh, the same thing. They, they may not think about it, but you have to because you have to keep reinforcing the fact that. The brand is an important part of people's lives, and the better it is in their lives, the more of a communication uh, will be established. And then if there is a choice, right? then someday if there's a choice, then they'll, they'll make the right one.
1: Right. Very true.
0: Or at least you're the right one.
1: Right. right. Yeah. I mean, our work, the workforce at NipSCO was always like, it was so easy to promote because it's such a hardworking group of people um, across every aspect, but especially the ones that you see out in the field, like restoring your electric service in awful conditions, and and you know, responding to gas emergencies and okay. you know awful things that can
0: happen. So, and did you get a lot of good feedback from the consumer? Did you get people coming to you or sending you emails saying thank you for what you're doing, or I love this program, or you know, the crew that came out came out so quickly and were very kind and friendly. You know, did you get a lot of kind of ROI on, on your invest on what you did? So social
1: media is a great gauge for that. Okay. And I remember when I first started, um, you know, I heard I was going to take on the social media management, and I thought, oh, my gosh, it's going to be all issues management, as we call it in the PR world. And right. sure, there's that, but, you know, especially even during storm events, we get people thanking us, saying, okay. you know, your crews were out in the worst of conditions, and... and. Uh, feeling that appreciation. So that's a great feedback mechanism. The other thing that we looked at at NIPSCO was was JD Power and and seeing improvement in those scores in terms of okay. customer perception. And that was a focus all across the organization. And it was great to see that we were on an upward trajectory during my time there. So so yeah, there's a few things we look at.
0: I lived in the city. I grew up here as well. So I was born and raised, actually uh, went to Andrean where your father teaches and um, I went to Loyola University, home of the Final Four Ramblers, and um, I remember ComEd did not have the good reputation Nipsco had and um, never did, never seemed to live up to that. And uh, I was very surprised when I came out here, first of all, how great the BMV was, if I could just say that. I couldn't (laughs) believe how, I mean, the customer service there. Uh, But other than that, uh, Nipsco was, uh, you know, if the power goes out, the map, you know, you can look on a map and see who's out. You can call and find out how soon you're going to be fixed. And they're working on it, and you know it. And uh, that's that's excellent work that you've done there. And uh, that's all what your department was doing. External communications, was it? Or Yep, that's okay. correct. Okay.
1: Yeah, I realize we're talking in a lot of past tense here, so it's probably good to explain kind of where I'm at with my career, right, unless uh, you want to get there.
0: Right. Uh, <laughs> how's that for a segue? Uh, but we can, uh, Yes, please explain... Um, where you're at, because for our listeners out there, uh, many people will find themselves in the very same spot that you may be in. And I think you can really help bridge them to making a decision or even making a leap, but I'll let you explain. Thanks. Here,
1: sure. Yeah, no, I it, it um, I had a great six and a half year career at Nipsco. I was very fortunate to get opportunities to really grow and expand and learn new things. Um, but just in the last month or so, I made the decision to leave and, um, you know, A lot of soul searching went into that because of all the good things I mentioned that were going on there. Hard to leave, good people, hard to leave. I had an amazing team, which, um, you know anyone who's been in the workforce knows you're going to work with people that you jive with, and you're going to work with people that you don't. And I felt very lucky because I had a team of people that I really jived with. Um, but I was really feeling like I needed to take some time, get some headspace, and figure out what my next step would be. I really love the creative marketing side of the world, and um, I think it's common when you're in marketing communications, advertising anything creative, sometimes you're just seeking a new challenge. And I felt that that was, uh, that was needed for me. So. Very gut-wrenching, soul-searching-related decision to make that leap. Um, But I'm so grateful for my time there and everything I've learned. And it's made me a better professional and a better person. And I'm excited to see what comes next.
0: So to be clear, you left your position without another position, though.
1: I did, yeah. That's good to clarify on. Um, Definitely wasn't in my original game plan. (laughs) Um, But but yeah, a lot of soul-searching and a lot of time just thinking about... The fact that you know i didn't really know it i never had that linear path for a career for myself i studied economics and art history in college so that's that, a great plan <laughs> if that tells you anything about you know my vision i picked You're two very things. balanced I well would say. left brain right brain Correct. i like doing both um but i i picked two things that i enjoyed or that you know motivated me economics was a challenge and it was analytical and i I remember I took my first class, and you know I'm hearing my fellow students like complaining about how hard it is, and I remember thinking like, no, this makes sense. I get this. So my I could tell that my wow. mind worked that way, okay. and I had a good you know exploration of the economic space um, at school, but I also enjoyed the creative brain, and I realized pretty quickly. I started off in the architecture program at Notre Dame, which okay. is an amazing program. Um, but very focused on hand-drafting so you're doing sketches in pencil and watercolor for most of your first three years of of the five-year program after that you go into CAD and and more of the, the Typical tools that an architect will use today. Um, So I was attracted by that, but I got into these intense studio courses, and I realized pretty quickly that I think I'm more of an appreciator of art than I am the maker of art. And that's just been a theme throughout my career, and I'm sure we'll get into the design aspects of marketing, branding, advertising, but... I have such respect for the creative process and design minds and giving them freedom. But also, I think I work really well with them. And uh, I'd like to think that that year and a half in the architecture program at Notre Dame did reap some benefits, even though I didn't grow up to be an architect.
0: And you went to Notre Dame, (laughs) which is one of the best-branded schools.
1: They do an amazing job, I mean, inside, outside. And I think I knew that as a student, that they were kind of firing on all cylinders, but just since then getting perspective of how they run their endowment and how they run their athletics program i mean it's not perfect i know people either love to love or love to hate notre dame and so i i can understand
0: but that's good for a brand
1: it is yeah people are talking about it so and i was i didn't i wasn't raised the rah-rah notre dame type my dad actually started off at u of uh, of m university of michigan and then ended up switching yeah but he's a michigan fan he did his masters at notre dame though which i'm sure helped me get in a little bit but um but yeah, no, it was a great four years. But I didn't come out of there thinking this is what I'm going to be when I grow up. I tried an internship in art history, and sorry, in um, art appraisal at an auction house in Chicago between my junior and senior years, and they did everything from jewelry and couture to fine art, painting, okay. sculpture to decorative arts like furniture. And then one of the auctions when I was there was celebrity memorabilia. Okay, you might know Man Cow. Um, <laughs>
0: <laughs> sorry you, he, I was thinking Antiques Roadshow celebrities I know like, it's a know, big jump uh, and then you you mentioned Man Cow and it just oh, I know oh so that list of that level of celebrity got it okay and they I'm did
1: so much classy stuff at this auction house I don't want you to change your percep- I don't want to change your perception <laughs> of it even though you don't know the name of it um, but honestly they did so much of the classy high end art stuff but every now and then if they got a big enough big enough right. celebrity name They would do it and so this was a a a very random collection of things from man cow's basement or garage or attic i'm not really sure um but good experience i mean i was 20 years old and just soaking it all in um did you meet him i didn't no he didn't come to the auction i don't know if he was sad to say goodbye to all this random stuff (laughs) or what um but no he did not make an appearance we all kind of wondered if he would so (laughs)
0: Well, also, we were, and we've had this discussion before where you said you appreciate fine arts, you studied uh, art appreciation, and, and the same thing happens to, to many people where uh, you know a good logo when you see it. You may not be able to design it. I don't have the skill set, yeah. but I know when a logo works, I appreciate the story behind it, and I mm-hmm. appreciate the intricacies that, that are attached to it. I know, we know, we know what kerning means. And we know when it's not working, mm-hmm. kerning being the, the spacing of the letters and the and the imaging together. And that's when you and I were having that conversation. I, I just, you know, when you can meet a mind that you can nerd out with, that is, and I think that's why I was looking forward to this conversation because the one we had at the coffee house was so interesting. I'm thinking, oh, we should hold this for the, for the talk. So uh, if you're also uh, a regular listener, you know um, that we have, a vinyl album cover and we ask our guests to bring in their favorite and Kathleen you brought in
1: I brought in Queen and the reason I selected this particular album is because it has my dad and my personal favorite song and that's Radio Gaga Um, and I actually mentioned to him that because I've loaned the record from him and I mentioned it and he said, well, that's perfect. Podcast, you know, like stealing from radio. It's just this interesting like
0: <laughs> from commentary, radio. you know, because Got like Radio dig. Gaga
1: is all about stealing right. from radio and now podcasts are kind of stealing from that too. That's but, perfect. Excellent, um, Mr.
0: Zott. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> Once again, excellent.
1: He would have been a much better interview on this show, by the way, I think, yeah, you know, for well, next season maybe. maybe yeah, maybe <laughs> for the
0: uh, for next season for the follow up. Uh, yeah. But in speaking with branding and um, we can segue right into that. People try to protect the brand and these days it's very difficult to do so. And, uh, one way, as we were discussing in the, in between the green room and, and the studio here is that this new movie about Freddie Mercury and Queen is coming out called Bohemian Rhapsody. Right. And I was so excited when I saw the trailer. I, I don't know how you felt.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, it's been in the works for a long time, so it's exciting that it's that far. I think it comes out in October,
0: it, November 2nd, I November? believe. Okay. And, uh, but the thing is, like you said, this film has been in, in production for quite a while and it has been through quite a few people, quite a few changes. And the reason is, from uh, what I've gathered, is that they want the Queen members, the existing surviving members, want to protect the band's reputation. Mm-hmm. They don't want Freddie's story. And, and I could see if it, they were trying to protect Freddie's reputation. It doesn't seem that way. It seems to be steered more of they don't want to be outshined by Freddie. Mm. And the, the quote was they didn't want to... They, they wanted to tell the Queen's story after Freddie. So right. Freddie's death would be the middle of the film.
1: Yeah, I did read that too. Okay.
0: And you know right then you're trying to judge a brand. You're trying to, to gauge a brand and direct it in one way, and those days are done, right. I feel. Yeah. Uh, right now, there's probably, if you're trying to protect Freddie's reputation, more people are talking about it. You and I are talking about it um your thoughts
1: well he's the story that people are going to the movies for so i definitely think they're doing the audience a disservice if they don't really focus the story there um i understand the motivation i mean they're still trying to make music in some ways you know so they don't want to diminish their brand um but the truth is freddie mercury was that brand right and uh, so I think, you know, it's probably them holding on to too tightly um, to an idea, and I'd like to think that through the creative process it'll end up being a good end product, but I'm, I'm very curious to see it. Um, I think the casting is, um, has, is good, has been good, I know they had some challenges there, they right. replaced the director, they replaced the lead, so lots of changes on the production team, but um, I think the reason why Queen has been late, I feel like it's one of those untouchables in terms of okay. music history. Like I think that's one of the reasons no one ever tries to do Queen at karaoke. I mean, come on, <laughs> don't touch Freddie Mercury at karaoke. And I think it's the same with this movie. Just so many people want to get it right. But I've never I'm thought really about rooting that. for it. Cause there really hasn't been a lot said and done around the Queen story and i think it's just because it's untouchable to a lot of people and it's just this mystery it was like this intrigue
0: it was a perfect storm yeah and um i I agree and and the fact that his story no matter what positive negative everything about it is so far more interesting than any other aspect and uh you know with all apologies to the rest of the band uh uh, we'll, we'll see where it goes, but yeah. um, and maybe we can discuss that when your father's on the podcast. I would um, love that, but I
1: do have to put in a random plug, because the one time that I will allow a Freddie Mercury impersonation, Paul Rudd's lip sync battle... Okay. On Jimmy Fallon. <laughs> this is a few years old now, but you listeners out there, go on YouTube and look it up. Paul Rudd lip sync battle, and he does a Queen song, and it's epic.
0: Wow, which song do you remember?
1: And it is lip syncing, so okay. he isn't, isn't covering the voice. I will say okay. that's probably why I allow it. It's "Don't Stop Me Now." Okay. okay. Yeah.
0: Because all right, um, I, I've fallen down this uh, rabbit hole on YouTube about Freddie Mercury and these documentaries and, and watching them in concert, and it's—you're right—it's a brand that. Cannot be topped and yeah. shouldn't be messed with. And if you're going to discuss it, tell the truth. And um, no matter what the story is. But segueing from that, i a question I have is now a uh, few years ago, something I have seen in the marketing and branding community change. And uh, years ago, I used to be adamant to clients saying, stay out of the politics, don't touch that third rail, <laughs> and uh, you'll have a more comfortable position because. Why alienate any possible consumer uh, f- just for your own kind of satisfaction of, of sharing your opinion, if mm-hmm. I could say. Uh, and that's versus nowadays where people are saying, well, you can't be a brand and survive without taking a position on something. And you have to be prepared to take the hard hits, the NFL being one of them that that, that is uh, dealing with the national anthem issue. But... Uh, part of the issue now I, I have changed that policy and I'll tell a client well I believe you sh-, you know if you strongly believe in that then let's establish that you do however you respect the other's side something like that and you cushion the blow a little bit but one thought I had is say your market share is 20% and you realize that if you take a stance on something you alienate half the country but do you feel it's it's advantageous to do that because maybe, People will use your product now simply because you're on their side of the political spectrum. I I use Chick fil A as an example when they took a, when that came out and that, that, uh, not scandal, but the the controversy came out about them. I remember seeing people in line in the drive thru that had never been to Chick fil A, but they went to support them. So, uh, yeah, that's my two cents on that. What do you, what do you thought? Uh, Now, coming from Nipsco, you, may have had you know like you said you didn't have a competition but um what was your thought about third rail subjects
1: well i think a lot of companies have like separation consider that like a separation of church and state kind of a thing and for one reason that comes to mind for me is when you talk politics whatever your stance is you're either going to get a hot a cold or a cringe and to me you know that cringe factor impacts your brand too so if you know that there's that percentage that you're going to alienate that doesn't there might be another per- percentage that you're not calculating for that cringed about it because they just don't like you going into the political arena. Right. So, I think that's a factor that you have to consider, you know, as a brand when you're deciding. I another hu- even bigger cringe factor for me is when businesses use a platform to get a bigger following. I mean, if this okay. is a business decision, if it's motivated by you know, business strategy, that's one thing. But it just, you know, you see some brands out there that feel like they're jumping on a bandwagon. And I see that on Instagram all the time, you know, with content strategy that, um, that just doesn't feel quite right. So I just always believe that whatever decision or message that you're putting out, it needs to tie in with your core business. Don't go off doing things that really don't, you know, impact what your customers. That's kind of my philosophy. Uh, okay,
0: so I think I'm. Uh, if I follow uh, make make sure it makes sense. Right. And you're saying that, uh, don't try to follow a trend, that may not even impact your bottom line in a way, or right. at least be genuine if you're going to take a, a stance. Both. Is that what you? Okay.
1: Yeah, both definitely. I think consumers are savvy enough to catch on.
0: I think Pretty consumers are day. very savvy, <laughs> yeah. and uh, especially. You know, the internet now gives everybody a, a little bullhorn Yeah. and everybody has to, you know, feels so they have to use it. And sometimes you see, for instance, Starbucks may I ask you about that, uh, your opinion on that. Um, they've had quite a few controversies lately hmm. within the last few years, which we can get back to. But now the hot topic is the two gentlemen, African-American gentlemen, uh, arrested and asked to leave simply because they were waiting for somebody in a Philadelphia Starbucks Starbucks will now shut down the stores, I believe, May 30th to address the issue of racial bias in the workplace and um, your thoughts on on that, if I may ask.
1: Yeah. Starbucks is one of those brands that's gotten so big that you just wait for something to go wrong. You know, I feel like, you know, it's the giant and the there's a fable. <laughs> David and Goliath. Okay, um, where you know when a brand gets too big, it's almost just like you're doomed for something to happen to it. Right. Um,
0: it has a target.
1: Yeah, exactly. It has a target on its on its head for sure. Um, that's something where it's a perfect lesson of why PR is a big part of of your brand and why things that can get amplified and really have a huge impact on you. So. I mean, again, I understand they have business decisions, they have bottom lines to make, but this was a this is a tough one. Um, I agree, and it, it's going to have residual effects on the brand, but they're big. I mean, I think you know you've seen other brands like Target, you know, take a big hit with their security breach and and right. other things throughout the years, and it's not necessarily a you know good riddance, but it's something that they should hopefully learn from.
0: I worked for the McDonald's Corporation and and talk about the ultimate target. Mm-hmm. We were everybody's number one uh, on the hit list. Mm-hmm. And the, what some of the strategy that would go into that, going back to your point about who are you trying to make happy, is the fact that perhaps if you overreact or or give too much of an audience to some gripes or concerns, are you satisfying your customer base or are you satisfying somebody? Who doesn't even use your product
1: right.
0: uh, in the first place? Uh, I, I have a, a gut feeling that sometime there will be a brand that takes a strong stance of kind of a moderate stance of, look, we're, we're not going to get caught in this political issue. We're not going to be your political football. Mm-hmm. What happened happened and we'll move on. And I'm not saying Starbucks, you know, in this case directly, I'm just saying in any case. Right. But. Uh, when I saw, I know, I've read Howard Schultz's two books. I know how he always, he's kind of brilliant at, at staying in the conversation. He's the CEO of Starbucks, or the former CEO. And he always at least tries to be on the right side of history, I would say. Um, but it may not work, but it keeps him in the conversation. But no matter what, everything is so polarized now, even in the consumer world, that you come up with a red cup. And people say, okay, where's the religious symbol? <laughs> yeah. And then you say you're going to hire some Syrian refugees, and people say, why don't you hire the the veterans? And then you have to come back and say, did you know Starbucks actually has a veteran hiring program and has done a lot of, and you're just kind of spinning plates or, or, or a whack-a-mole, you know, of, yeah. of who's, who's complaining more, Who's who do you have to address to make sure you're happy? And... Um, Maybe if one brand were to come out and say, "Look, we just want to give you the best service, the best product, uh, whatever your political leanings." We don't care. Well, and, you know, I think, that's your business, and that's what's great about America. You know, something like that. I,
1: yeah, and I think that also ties into why market research and right. feedback from your consumers is so important in the marketing and advertising space. Because you know, there's some big brands that stepped in it, frankly, because they really didn't test a message or an ad enough before they went to market. So, Pepsi. yeah, <laughs> there's a few. Um, So, I mean, listen to your consumers and test it and don't, you know, just because there is people are sensitive. And I think it's our responsibility as marketers to be sensitive to our audience.
0: I remember uh, when the uh, Barilla Pasta company came out and the uh, CEO came out and he was against gay marriage. There's no nobody asked him about it. He just wanted to issue that statement. Hmm. And all I kept thinking was you have now put your brand in. Jeopardy, Yeah. Because you've, for no reason other than to feel better about what you are saying. You know, not saying he's right, not saying he's wrong. No matter what the political aspect is, what is the benefit of saying this? To right. make you feel better because it's not helping your shareholders. Mm-hmm. And it's putting your communications department and your PR department in a tizzy. And you're also now, how many people are going to go, I'm not going to, uh, they have a boycott list.
1: Right. So yeah.
0: consumers now have boycott lists. Yeah. So that's what we're facing today.
1: Consumers are smart, they're savvy, and they're sensitive. I think that's the theme. So, <laughs> so okay, far. so
0: how do you feel uh, being uh, a fan of being a creative and uh, being a creative yourself, looking to, as you have this pause point, you say, yeah. where, by the way, that was brilliant. You've yeah. managed to brand your status in life and so when people see your outstanding resume they can also see you didn't take a break you had a pause point yes which is great alliteration thank you as well as uh, a great marketing story to tell in interviews so where do you see the future not necessarily uh, or your role in it uh, as a creative do you is this an agency thing you're looking at or is this the days where a group of Creatives in one room can do the work of 200 in an agency now. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Well, you know, I actually have a story as to why I think I've spent a lot of time thinking about how do I brand this? Um, Because you think about, you know, what are those things as a kid that kind of made you tick and that grew into something later in life? So I actually came up with a few stories from childhood that I think relate to why I ended up in this field. The first is that I really loved reading cereal boxes. I don't know why it was my thing, but I mean, they had great designs on them. They had games. They had just, you know, so I would read every word. And then I would even read like shampoo or beauty product, like messages too. And dork moment but sometimes i would like do it in a voice like i was in a commercial or something um and i you know it's funny because it wasn't really until i I took this time off and i'm i'm really having some good headspace to think about things like that that i was like wow i did used to do that first i was a big nerd but second like that's cool because it ended up um you know kind of relating to what i do and then the other was, I remember in middle school, if you'd asked me probably in about seventh grade what I wanted to be when I grew up, I would have told you a nail polish namer. Because if, if you ever have explored the world of nail polish, there is just an endless, <laughs> there is an endless array of names when you get into okay. the different brands. And um, OPI is one in particular that takes a lot of pride in very creative um, names. One of their most popular red shades is called I'm Really Not a Waitress. And I know a lot of the females listening probably are familiar with that because it's like their top shell, top selling red shade. But um, I just really loved the creativity and I loved alliteration. And so fast forward to where I'm at in life now, um, you know, I I am I am job looking. I'm interviewing. Okay. I'm doing some consulting work, and I all, I have to be able to take explain where i'm at in life and be confident in this decision and i'd be lying if i didn't say i have had a little doubt like was this the right thing to do leaving without something um so i really have been trying to coach myself to be confident and talk about my story and why i made this decision um proactively um and so pause points one i've also been referring it to my um my yellow brick road and i'm taking it one yellow brick at a time so these are all kind of analogies for for me that help me brand it and and just be more comfortable talking about it when i'm getting into settings where i'm meeting new people networking or or interviewing
0: okay well pause point is is excellent and um like i said i think it's a great story to tell uh because usually when you have a gap on your resume people Assume it's a it's a negative, and I think you this is a great way to spin it into a positive. And um, right, uh, so you said you are drawn to the creative. I am, and perhaps this is what's happening to you. I I know this has happened to me, and it's the worst feeling I could say um, that I've felt, um, other than you know something tragic happening. But the gut punch you feel when an idea that you've been when you've had for years maybe in your head is executed by somebody else mm. and it just i'll see it and i'll and i've got one prime example and then i'll ask it if that's ever happened to you but um when i used to go to cubs and Sox games i used to when i lived in the city it didn't matter i'd go and during a rain delay they would have the tarp out and they would have the logo of the team on there mm-hmm. and the initial thought i had was well everybody knows why you're here why don't you brand that mm. You know, Reynolds rap would be perfect, or WGN could put some Tom Skilling's face that said, "I told you it was gonna rain." You know, make it fun because people are stuck there. You know, and this was kind of pre-cell phone, smartphone days. Sure. And uh, I told a couple of my uh, higher ups about it, and uh, sure enough, it happened. And they would send me notes like, "Didn't you have this idea a couple of years ago?" And it just Like What could I have done? But when you're one person, what can you do? So I think those days are different. So perhaps you now can take your consultant and your your, um, ideas and perhaps this pause point is your opportunity to get those done by one person. It doesn't matter. A great idea is a great idea. And I'm sure... Your head is full of them so uh.
1: yeah no that's true i feel like i should be keeping a notebook of some type but um i can think of one example and it was when i was at Lakeshore public television my first full-time gig out of college um, and i did marketing and public relations work for them i loved promoting the pbs programming because i mean household name what right. what family doesn't know about pbs at least from the kids programming stream and so i loved promoting those shows and and pbs kids was doing some really cool stuff and and coming out with some really successful new um animated series and um so i I loved the idea of helping get that pbs message out in our market i mean i think it's it's national but what could we do in northwest indiana to connect especially parents it's such good educational programming and the, the resources on their website were amazing so um Through partnership with um, Southlake Mall, I got to know some people and their marketing staff for some different partnerships we did throughout the years, and talked about launching a new kids play area in the mall that would be sponsored by jim henson studios they were launching a new series called dinosaur train which i'm not sure if it's still on but it was really clever when it was it is oh okay
0: (laughs) (laughs) my nephew yes
1: good it was a good one my nephew's a big fan i've kind of gotten away from the pbs kids programming stream but i know they're doing good stuff so um So that was one that it just seemed so serendipitous that the mall was, you know, in need of a PlayStation refresh. PBS Kids and Jim Henson Productions were looking to get out this new program. So I thought this would be such a feather in my cap. I mean, I was 24 years old probably at that time and just thought this is it. And it was so close. And then at the last minute, the Jim Henson group decided to pull out and... A few years later um the mall redid their play area and it wasn't sponsored and it looks great i just thought oh that would be so much better (laughs) yeah because there's parents hanging out there i mean captive audience to get out the pbs kids message so i was very disappointed that one fell through but that's the thing when you're working collaboratively there's a lot of moving pieces and there's a lot of motivations and i think that was bigger than me you know it was a Production level decision, and okay. I never really heard why. I think, you know, in retrospect, and I've heard this advice just recently whenever you hear a no, you should follow it up with a why or Sorry. a nicer version of why, you know, because otherwise you're not getting anything from that no. You're not getting any data and anything that you can improve upon. That's true. Um, so maybe it's a no forever, or maybe it's just a no, not right now. So let's talk about that. Um, and, I, you know, I was too young in my career to really dig deep and get that but i I formed some great partnerships the national level and you know i got real close to a pretty cool partnership
0: The serendipity of an idea is one of the best feelings in the world yeah especially when you kind of get that rush of this should work there's no reason not to try this let's try it and you can visualize the success of it in your head and there's nothing like that feeling of a successful campaign uh but what i've learned in my many years and um is until it is it isn't and that's the toughest lesson i'd say i've learned and because you get so excited about an idea you get so excited about collaboration you have a hollywood discussion of uh always get the brand out there of all (laughs) you know oh that'll be great though we'll do this and it'll rock and and then something happens some one person falls through I had a similar experience uh at my first job and it was I came up we had a partnership with RL Stein and and hmm. and we were going to make a goosebumps cookie ah. because RL Stein doesn't endorse junk food but I said well would Entiments consider making a healthy cookie and they did ah. and everything was lined up and then it was rejected yeah. by an a- the agency I worked for hmm. and that killed me I, I you know you visualize this is going to happen and again I think I was 27 so you're thinking yeah you know, this will put me at the top of the world and then Nope, Did you get happen. the why? Yes, yes, and it was a very disappointing. Yeah, why. but at it least was very you got weak the why. Lie. Yeah, how about that?
1: Well, it's better than no why. <laughs> I think earlier in your career, you don't learn to ask those questions, and so I think that's important for people who are starting off.
0: That might be a good. Don't a-
1: take no as rejection. Yeah. Get data from it, and then it's actually useful to you.
0: That. Right, that kind of—it's not a failure if you learn from it.
1: Yes, exactly. It
0: might feel oh, it oh, going so <laughs> so bad, but it'll uh, yes, you will learn for it, from it. So, in your pause point, how are things forming for you? You've just recently started on this this golden you know, yellow brick road. Yes. Uh, what have you have you learned anything concrete from it yet, or do you have kind of more of a a visualization of of what you want, uh, of what you are going to be. Yeah. uh,
1: I think, you know, one of the reasons I went into this, like I said, is to find that headspace to figure out what is that dream job. But I'm starting to think maybe I don't find it you know maybe i don't have this ideal. like take something that helps me figure out what that is when i get into it and that's why i took on the consulting work okay. um so i am i'm helping out with a, a friend good friends business in the education technology consulting space so products and tools that are used in the classroom everybody's using technology now it's an app or it's a computer-based program to help kids learn and there's all these great people that are developing really creative tools for the classroom but a lot of times they're very small businesses they're startups they're one-man bands they're teachers who do this on the side so um, my friend's business really helps grow them from a management standpoint and get them ready and get them launched into classrooms but because they're often small businesses they've in the past, asked for marketing help, and you know, my friend, you know, her resources, her team, are, are mostly education focused, and so marketing really wasn't, you know, something that they they was in their um, bailiwick. And so, when she knew I was taking some time, she said, "I'd really like to get you involved and, you know, help grow this part of the business and sure. see where it goes." So. It's really cool because, you know, other than working PBS Kids, I've, you know, not really been directly to the related to the education space, but it's hard to not feel the heartstrings um, when you're talking about kids and. Improving Digital Literacy is one of the focuses of one of her clients and the other one is a STEAM Academy okay. Science, Technology, right. Engineering, Arts and math. Yes,
0: I, which I, I really appreciate the fact that I people have too. thrown arts into that Normally STEM, you know, and then now it's STEAM and I heard some politician use that the other day
1: Yeah, it's it, there's definitely similar brain, you know, powers and activities that you can tie in so So yeah, I've learned in my career that I really have to believe in the brand that I'm representing and their mission. It just makes me so much better at my job. So um, I'm off to a good start with this client work, but I am trying to make sure I leave time to job look and to network because, you know, as they say, it's who you know that gets you a job. And so I think it's important to make time for that in your career, wherever you are, whether you're looking or not. Always take out time for professional development, personal development, whatever you call it. Um, and oftentimes in many careers, at least in mine, networking is important to that.
0: Okay. Uh, well, if somebody's trying to reach you, how can they get to you?
1: Well, that's a great question. I'm on LinkedIn, Kathleen Zott, Kathleen with a K. Last name is S Is in Sam, Z is in Zebra, O-T is in Tom. It's always my call center phone thing because people don't (laughs) understand how you'd spell that um but yeah i'm on linkedin i um you know i try to get out in the community and out meeting people a lot so this is a great opportunity to um to come on and reach some more people
0: well when people listen to this i think you're going to get a lot more people interested in in hiring you as as a consultant and uh I would say within easily a year, I could easily, I can see you doing a TED Talk on a pause point, something like that, or the Yellow Brick Road, so long as it's not copywritten. and oh, wow. Uh, I, I'm pleased and honored to have you on the show, and, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time to do this, and, and best of luck. I have no doubt you'll be very successful.
1: Thank so, you, Martin. Thank I appreciate you. it. It was fun. Thanks was for having fun? me. Yeah. I hope <laughs> we close the season well. It was a good time. Yeah,
0: this was good. We, we're going to probably put pyrotechnics in, in post. Oh, you know, nice. to really kind of... Make it explode! And
1: okay, it, fireworks, cool, right? Cool.
0: Awkward pause. All right, but, <laughs> but thank you so much. This is Martin Alexi in for Alan Miskowski on the season finale of Talk Local. Thank you for tuning in. Follow us on all the Instagrams, the the interwebs, the everything that hip kids are doing these days, and uh, check Kathleen Z- Zat out and uh, consult. Her. You take advantage of the time and the mind and all the creative energy that we have out here in Northwest Indiana and the region. And stay tuned for some really cool killer stuff coming from the team and the crew here at Local 219. I thank you for listening, and I will see you in five weeks. Bye.